Hello everyone and welcome to Disaster Peace Publishing House. I'm Dev Solovey. And I am Cy Metz. And this is a show about the good, bad, but mostly bad of weird internet literature. Dramatic, Dramatic readings included. included. Now Dev, <laughs> we have been building up to this pretty much all afternoon. Because, <laughs> dear listeners, you already know what we're reading. And you've probably googled the book. I assume. I'm just assuming that our listeners have habits. Um, <laughs> but uh, this was another one that I just kind of ran into out in the wild, and I saw the cover, and I said, I need to buy this uh, and read it immediately. And then the first 23 pages are, are just like punchline after punchline after punchline after punchline. And it starts with this cover. Tales from Margaritaville and Jimmy Buffett. That's fucking incredible. The full title of this is Tales from Margaritaville, Fictional Facts and Factual Fictions. Uh, and the cover is just a, like, they took a, like a Polaroid of Jimmy Buffett and crudely cut it out with some craft scissors and slapped it on top of a, a, an oceanic map of the Dominican Republic for some reason. Incredible. Yeah. It's, so that's where Margaritaville is. No, we'll get to where Margaritaville oh, is. Oh, okay. <laughs> because it is actually a very important part of the introduction. Oh, interesting. So the, the re- I couldn't get very far into this without having to, like, oh, we, we need to explore this together. Because he, I, I was reading this and I just kept laughing out loud while also having a hard time getting through it. Because Jimmy Buffett... Is not a good writer. <laughs> Spoiler alert. We'll get into we'll get into why I think he's a terrible writer. But um, it's just filler from the get go. You get page one, Jimmy. Second page, Buffett. Third page, Tails. Fourth page, From. Fifth page, Margaritaville. And then a full page spread of the entire thing. Like they just waste five goddamn pages of nothing it's just it's nothing there's nothing here with the exception of four autobiographical stories in the son of a son of a sailor section of this book tales from margaritaville is a collection of fiction names characters places and incidents yada 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 the introduction is called walkabout which is hilarious to me and he kind of just rambles for a while about the aboriginal people of australia he talks about just whatever the fuck comes to his mind but This is the part that gets to me, right? This is why he wrote this book. My need to be alone had carried me halfway around the world to the island of Bora Bora, which had haunted me since I saw South Pacific, performed by Catholic Theater Guide Guild in Mobile, Alabama, when my piano teacher played Bloody Mary and sang Bali High with a strong southern accent. She hooked me on the myth and planted the seeds of discovery that eventually led me to the South Pacific. Jimmy Buffett just immediately admitting, I'm a colonizer, let's go. Uh... So he's just like, yeah, I need to go to Bora Bora. This is like how I became like a beach guy. How, how does a guy from Alabama become a beach guy? Anyway, the morning of our trip, however, I came down with a relapse of breakbone fever, a cousin to malaria transported around the tropics by man-eating mosquitoes. My malaria attack was accompanied by a strange low-pressure cell that had covered the blue specific with a dense curtain of gray and dumped monsoon rains on the island for a week. I wrote between fever spells, hot and cold flashes, and visits to the island pharmacy where I bought cough syrup from a beautiful lady behind the counter. She made being sick somehow seem worthwhile. So, Jimmy Buffett, in in between, like, fucking fever-induced hallucinations and 
like sweatily flirting with uh with a pharmacy tech for no reason <laughs> writes these absolutely batshit short stories that are terrible and bad and um th- what what's the line where he gets to it da, 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 da. where is margaritaville one of the questions i am asked most is where is margaritaville i answer when you are there you will know it i have known about it for quite a while ever since i was a child i have had a recurring dream of visiting an island it appears at different locations on the perimeter of the Gulf of Mexico, west of Tortuga, sepa- south of Ship Island, or in the middle of Perdido Bay. Somewhere and everywhere, I Margaritaville love, has its origin. I love, I love when creators do this. This uh, echoes uh, kind of what Guy Fieri exactly. did with Flavor Town. Exactly, I was about to say. Yeah, it's, this is proto Flavor Town. It's Flavor Town. It's the Dark Carnival. It's I. Yeah. I love it. I love. So is this like the lore book for Margaritaville? Well, no, 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 no. Hold on. Um, I have visited many of the. And then he goes like, "Oh, Margaritaville is all these places that I've been, and it can be." I remember my parents, my grandparents' backyard in Pascoola as my first base. Uh, Mississippi, uh, Mississippi. He just lists a bunch of places. And he's like, uh, I have visited many of those places with the names that sounded so intriguing. And I have always carried with me that floating island of my dreams. The legend of Adirogram. The wonderful loony inhabitants of Snakebite Key. And the cast of characters I have encountered during my trips on so many boats may hold some clue as to where Margaritaville is. Making the quest to find the mythical island the real adventure. So now join me, if you will, on the real and unreal voyages to and from Margaritaville, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> now, based on this, what do you think the first short story is? Um, I'm going to be wrong no matter what, but I'm going to say it's the uh, pretty lady who is selling him the uh, medicine. Mm, no. Uh, it's not that. Try, try again. Think of think of what is the oh here here we go. I'll I'll read the a relevant quote that is yeah it, it cites Mark Mark Twain right before the first uh, the the first introduction and it says write what you know about. Now again with that in mind, what do you think Jimmy Buffett might have wrote read a story about while uh, feverishly shitting out his bones <laughs> because he had mosquito parasites that kept him from going to vacation. A swamp with mosquitoes in it somewhere in the south. Well, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is you'd you'd think that it would start with a sailor story, right? It would start with like something about the beach or something about like yeah. somebody. Who... It's about a cowboy. It's about a cowboy who's about to lose his ranch because uh, the woke mind virus is coming for good old fashioned Central America. Interesting. When was this written? It was written in 1989. That's incredible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the first story is called Take Another Road. This this short story is only what I can describe as Ben Shapiro tier writing. Okay. <laughs> because the, the amount of, like, weird tangents that are obviously written by somebody who doesn't know what the fuck it's like to be a cowboy trying to be a cowboy. Oh, like, just okay. like... A rich person's idea of what a cowboy is, but also because it's Jimmy Buffett, the cowboy also secretly longs for the sea, uh, <laughs> and he like paints his uh like one of his horses' stable like a coral reef. It's it's just fucking nonsense. A cowboy um, who's probably never seen a coral reef. Yeah, Tully Mars was lost in space. His conscious mind was a thousand miles away in the trade winds, where white sand beaches and coconut trees were surrounded by the crystal clear sea. His subconscious, however, was still in Wyoming. His horse knew where Tully was going and trotted along through the snow without needing any direction from the worn leather reins. Tully dismounted near the edge of the Snake River. 
Mr. Twain, his failsafe sword, sorrel stud, stayed put. The cattle had broken through wait, again. Wait, 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 is the cowboy named Mark Twain? No, Mr. Twain is the horse. <laughs> no, the cowboy's name is Tully Mars. Okay, yeah, I... The the writing is such it, it, it's written in such a way that I'm already like, lost. <laughs> uh, I I don't know if I really got just be I, I was trying to take only a couple of of passages, but like Jimmy Buff, like, there's no way this wasn't written by a ghostwriter who just frantically was writing down Jimmy Buffett as he just kind of like ranted ranted and rambled like because he was stoned and drunk or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like that's just the way that he he writes in the opening. And throughout the entire thing, he can't not write like Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> so it's like the guy behind Hamburger, Hamburger, or Cheeseburger in Paradise is trying to tell a meaningful story about a cowboy with ennui with capitalism encroaching yeah. on it. The reason why, like, modern day cowboy stories are like so, oh my god, shut the fuck up about that. You're telling the same kind of old gruff man against the, the tides of... You're the modern world, and he's the first. But it's like the exact same kind of story over and over again with the same kind of buzzwords. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. But like, there's one line that made me laugh out loud uh, when it gets to like trying to characterize the villain of the story. Uh, it's just like comically over the top in terms of like bitchy liberal Clinton woman. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh. Yeah. So he he starts following some dung. Because he's, like, following some some cows, because he's a cowboy. Uh, and he, see, he finally sees them. He's like, ah, another couple of minutes, and I would have had to put their pictures on a goddamn milk carton, he said. He moved towards them and started laughing at the thought of a, Jer- a Gary Larson cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Car! He yelled at the cows. They looked at him like he was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he can't help but just, like... Jimmy Buffett, the guy, was like, he was writing something because it made him think of Farside cartoon. And then he just references the Farside cartoon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. People always forget how much the Farside influenced culture in the 90s. It's kind of wild, but you see it. Yeah, here. it's like, it's like one of the first mainstream absurdist things that yeah, people like yeah, yeah. kind of got, and people are like, "I don't get the joke." Well, it's absurdist. Yeah, like, y'all that... laugh at uh, "Here Comes That Boy," but you think that Gary Larson, like he was the original shit poster. Yeah, he was that. That was kind of the genesis of random humor, in my opinion. Yeah, cow yeah. tools will always get me. <laughs> I don't know what cow tools are. Yeah. Um, at least this is real cowboy work, Tully said to Mr. Twain. <laughs> Again, he's talking to the horse. No one is there. He's just crazily talking out loud. <laughs> At least this is real cowboy work. I swear this is the last year I am cowboying, Twainy. I ain't cut out for dude ranch shit. We're going to the ocean, me and you. This is literary fiction. <laughs> two, two, like a page and a half into this own story, and Jimmy Buffett's like, why did I fucking pick a cowboy? I hate cowboys. <laughs> Why did I try this? <laughs> Tully's uh, uncle had just sold the ranch to a syndicate from California. I'm skipping that a little bit. A uh, syndicate from California and had moved to Arizona. So this is in our back fucking yard right now. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Yeah, his uh, his uncle is fucked off, and he's, like, shit-talking the lady who did it. Mrs. Thelma Barston, the junk bond queen, 
was the principal owner. She had blasted onto onto the property two days earlier in a jet helicopter. Her entourage included several lawyers and accountants, a hairdresser, a masseuse, and a tall man in a white mink coat who looked a little light in his loafers. Oh no, a whole band of feminists? Oh my god. Oh no. This woman and her fucking... F- you know the word I was going to use. The, a little light in the loafers. Oh my god, Jimmy. James. James Buffett. I know it's 89, but come on, you're supposed to be chill. Uh, Tully watched them climb out of the chopper, holding their noses as they passed the stock pen. It was obvious that the new owner of the Double M Ranch was more interested in de- designer jeans, tax write-offs, and two po- toy po- poodles than in ranching. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett owns steak and hotels. <laughs> He's a multimillionaire yep. who drinks Coronas, <laughs> smokes weed, and just goes, Hey, let's talk about the environment. <laughs> That's a kind of neat thing. But here he is just like, these fucking lips! They're ruining everything! <laughs> fucking taking away cowboys! Uh, how many years ago was this? Yeah, like I said, 89. So it's like, uh, it's like 29, 24 years. 24 years. Nah, it's, uh, it's 30, um, 34 years. 34 years. Yeah, oh shit, yeah, yeah. I was off by a. Yeah, copyright 1989. I, I mean, he's had 34 years to chill out i think <laughs> yeah no like i said i i am a I, i'm not a jimmy buffett hater but like uh, this sucks this yeah is it bad, sucks. this is bad fiction <laughs> it's bad and it sucks it's bad and it sucks and he's got other shit going on we're not going to hurt his feelings by making fun of some terrible short stories he wrote while <laughs> his brain was being melted from parasites oh god <laughs> i've written worse things completely lucid you know yeah me too. but like it's it's so incredible to me how similar this is in tone to like the way that Ben Shapiro describes modern day folk. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's not so much that like Jimmy Buffett was taking a particular cultural experience that he kind of under cuz he grew up in the south, right? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, like at least the contempt that like a, a rural like farmer might feel for that type of person isn't manufactured right yeah the way that when ben shapiro does it's completely insincere inge- in because you're like you don't know what fucking cowboys are yeah jimmy buffett doesn't either no. but like ben shapiro is copying the type of things that jimmy buffett you know, Jimmy Buffett might be the son of a son of a sailor, but Ben Shapiro is a Xerox of a Xerox, if you catch my drift. <laughs> it's just, it's funny to see, like, that kind of, like, similar thing coming from a yeah. way more chill guy. Yeah, I think also just for me personally, it's very funny to see bad stories about cowboys just... Because we're from... Yeah, we're from cowboy country. Like <laughs> We know what they were fucking like, you know? They're, they're not... A- they still exist. Like, yeah. You don't... I mean, okay. To be Guess fair... Guess what? The best ones aren't white either. Yeah, hey, no. Vaqueros, right? Yeah. But, like, th- that's the thing is, like, a lot of people consider Arizona... Like, when they think of Arizona, they think of people in cowboy hats. And, like, that's not how it is here. If you go to downtown Tucson, you're far more likely to find someone wearing dirty tie-dye and smelling like weed. But you do see people wearing cowboy hats. So, like... Yeah, like, the rodeo is an enormous part of our yeah. culture here. We have rodeo break. Yeah. <laughs> We're the one state that does that. Um, <laughs> and I, f- I always feel like, when it comes to, to stories that are set, like, in... Obviously, this is a different type of cowboy, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But, uh, so it's, it's kind of a weird comparison to make, yeah. but... 
when they're talking about, like, the modern farmer, they characterize them like cartoon cowboys, because that's our shorthand for, like, the yeah. freedom guy or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but living here, I always get this either disconnect from cowboy stories because they're really ingenuine or like there's something that isn't like they, they try and pass off something about our region that's just factually incorrect yeah you can always tell you can always tell when someone hasn't done their research like you know? uh jojo's bizarre adventure uh steel ball run is a cowboy story literally like a turn of the century uh like they they are doing cowboy shit on horses in the Arizona desert. Yeah. Um and Araki goes out of his way to like he he went on like a a train journey essentially to like learn about the region. He names specific tribes. He yeah. learns about the geography of the region and the relevant history even though he's like an outsider. Yeah. Uh yeah. so there there's stuff there where like even though he gets some stuff wrong, you're like, "Oh, you're not just saying the native folk, you're saying the Apaches." That were like actually prevalent in this era, and you're so you're citing particular groups. Yeah, yeah. There's an effort being made here that people here don't fucking take. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, that was that was a tangent, but yeah. <laughs> but like, there's just this disconnect that comes from like this isn't how cowboys. Do. Why are you think? Why are you thinking like Jimmy Buffett? <laughs> um, I don't know. I'd love to see Jimmy Buffett try to be a cowboy for one day. See how it works. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be pretty funny, huh? <laughs> what do you mean I can't wear my flip flops? <laughs> I got I glued spurs to the back. Of them. Come on, <laughs> come here, come on, y'all. Be cool. Mm. That would be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm making fun of him now, but if if Jimmy Buffett was like right in my face, I would not bring this up at all. I'd be all like, right. hey. I guarantee you there's a million fans of Jimmy Buffett out here. <laughs> like, yeah. No, like, I, I like Jimmy. Um, yeah. I like no, his way, music a little bit. The, the rest is chill enough to enjoy this yeah. his kind of music, too. Yeah, the, the thing that, that sucks about it is just, like, the, the, the tone. Like, the internal monologue is just Jimmy Buffett. Totally cut cows five days a week. Got drunk on a Saturday night at the Twisted Steer Bar and spent all day Sunday in bed at Limited Love, the local whorehouse, <laughs> reading about the rest of the world. <laughs> So not only is he like, yeah, he's hard, he fucks, but also he's smart. He fucks a horror, and while he's there, they just also have books about the world there. Uh-huh. And in post not clarity, <laughs> he has. That's how he. Dis- that's how Jimmy Buffett goes. Like this is how this guy talks like me is because. He it's just, because of post nut clarity. It's because of post nut clarity and incidental whorehouse reading material. <laughs> this is this is my favorite part though. He drove the cows back through the snow to the small corral next to his airstream trailer, which sat in the middle of a circular field surrounded by aspen trees. He had painted it to resemble a pink coral reef. <laughs> Tully drove the cows across snow-covered field and felt as if he were on top of some giant cake, gliding through white frosting toward the candy in the center. His flock of plastic flamingos perched near the corral made it feel more like that. (laughs) Plastic flamingos! (laughs) One small Hereford shied away from the rest of the herd. Tully and Mr. Twain were were of one mind and moved to cut the angle between the calf and the tree line. Then Mr. Twain went to work moving back and forth like a cat, edging the stray back to the gate. 
Tully loved this cutting horse. So his only true set, friend in the world. If we set him in Arizona in the West, he has a house from Winterhaven. Yeah. <laughs> during during Christmas, he has yep. a Well, cuz this is like that's the sort of like irony he's trying to go for is like, "Oh, it's cold." And he's dreaming of like warmer pieces okay. like, but it's still like Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So like there's this really funny disconnect where Jimmy Buffett, a guy who doesn't fucking give a shit about that culture, like that, like farmers or any of that, like he doesn't care. He's, yeah. he's in the tropics. He sits down to write a cowboy story. And even when he does that, his cowboy is like, I fucking hate this shit. I just want to be. Fuck this. Wait, 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 wait. I have to ask, um, was this during like a uh, John Wayne's popularity? Probably 89. Yeah, uh, probably I, at the, nah, probably at the tail end of it, but like, yeah, if you, I just, I don't grew know up a in, lot about John Wayne, but yeah, if you grew up with he, that. He grew up in, in, like, Alabama times, uh, which is perpetually 1951. <laughs> yeah, 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 but John Wayne was like, um, at the time, he was like a symbol of masculinity. It was more oh, than yeah. just he played cowboys. It was like, he was the macho man. He was the guy to be. So oh, yeah. That's probably he, what Jimmy's playing on. Uh, yeah. He also, uh, not to get too detract on John Wayne, but John Wayne also, like, it was, he, he wasn't just like an icon. He was like a particular type of toxic dickhead. Yeah. And like, would bully children <laughs> about yeah, it. That, um, that sounds about right for John Wayne. And it right. sounds about right for this protagonist, too. Yeah. No, but you're supposed to empathize with, you're supposed to see him as a real cowboy, but. He doesn't fucking give a shit. No. Because <laughs> Jimmy doesn't give a shit. Anytime he's, he's like, describing something, it's something out of a cowboy movie, or he's thinking about going to the beach. And that's 100% valid. Yeah. <laughs> so, some some stuff happens. Mrs. Barston from uh, from earlier comes, comes through. Here we go. Oh, yeah, here she is. This is just so fucking mean. Thelma Barston did not want to look her age and was lucky to live in a time when liposuction, silicon implants, and collagen injections had allowed plastic surgeons to totally disprove the theory that you could not make mountains out of molehills. Jesus, damn. Uh, sorry, I, I I was improving hard earlier when I was uh, calling her a Hillary Clinton type. I meant like an Anna Nicole Smith type. Interesting. Like a, I bought it because I had the money and I want a horsey type, yeah. of, type of lady. Damn. Which, Jimmy, you're not too far from from that yourself, my guy. Heavy-handed. Heavy-handed. Tully had just left his lookout and was now watching Thelma from the apple orchard just above the main barn. Yada, yada, yada. Thelma was doing aerobics in a pink leotard that looked two sizes too small as Michael Jackson's beat it shattered the peace of the valley. If that spandex outfit ripped, she could take out the whole town, he said to Mr. Twain. This, This is taking place in the present. This isn't a western. It's the Michael yes. Jackson's "Beat It" is playing. Yes, sorry, that's what I was saying. That's what I was trying to say. Oh, <laughs> that's what I was saying earlier. That like it takes place in the present. The main character is a cowboy, representative of the modern day approach encroaching on that. You know, just typical cowboy shit. But oh, said, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I thought it would be like a. He talked modern... about plastic flamingos, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that should have clicked a little while ago. <laughs> I'm, you, you you can't underestimate my terrible comprehension. <laughs> uh, mine too. We're probably the two worst people in the universe to have a uh, read about stuff podcast. <laughs> actually, Tolly knocked on the freshly painted pink door and was greeted by another new face—the housekeeper, no doubt. Oh, you must be the furniture man. I'll get Mister Bruce. 
No, I am not the furniture man. Tell Mrs. Barston that Mr. Mars is here to see her. I am not the furniture man. The little woman looked confused and started, One mo-mo-moment, please, one moment. Soon Bruce was at the front door, and his sour attitude had returned now that he was back on home turf. Wait here, he ordered. Tully mockingly snapped to attention. Yes, sir, he said and clicked his heels. Yeah, just cartoonish levels of like, oh, he's so fucking macho, and everyone else is such a pussy bitch. Yeah. Unironically love this dialogue for how terrible it is. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like it's like if a stoner was trying to write feds and vice versa. You know, just like that <laughs> level of disconnect from like reality and trying mm-hmm. to create cartoon mm-hmm. characters and claiming that you're drawing from life experience is yeah. so funny. Mr. Mars, we are a landholding company. This is Thelma talking now. She's she's here. Mr. Mars, we are a landholding company. We are not interested in cows. We are going to make a few changes around here. We are going to be more efficient. We are going to run this ranch as a profitable business. She snapped her fingers for the maid, and the little woman bought brought her the pack of pink si- of pint-sized pink, black, white, and gray yap dogs to her. And we are going to breed poodles. This is our breeding stock, Mr. Mars. These are the animals that you will be taking care of from now on if you plan to continue working here. <laughs> and now she's emasculating him by making him I breed poodles. I love that. I love that. Oh, I love it so much. Bruce came, a couple, some, some stuff happens. They, they insult each other. Uh, Bruce came unglued and lunged at Tully, who laid him out with his free hand. The maid stifled a laugh, and Bruce cumpled like the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> Who do you think you are, the Marlboro Man? He screeched from the floor. I could sue you for this, you backwoods, racist, sexist redneck. You'll never work in this business again. Oh, man. Well, ma'am, Tully po- politely said to Thelma Barston, I appreciate your view of the New West, and I hope you have a wonderful time trying to change things. But I do believe it is time for Tully Mars and his trusted horse, Mr. Twain, to blow this fucking pop stand. <laughs> he lifted the heavy massage table and hurled it through the picture window. He called it a pop stand. Oh my Fresh God. air, Mrs. Barston. Smell that fresh air. He stepped carefully through the broken glass door where Mr. As, Twain was standing. As, as a linguist, I have to. I have to. That's like... The worst, like, I'm just, like, nails on a chalkboard. Pop is a Midwest thing. We do not say pop here. We say soda. Ugh. Hate it. (laughs) Yeah, and then, like, for the rest of the story, for some reason, it's, like, just a bunch of journal entries. It fucking sucks, and I refuse to read the rest of it. (laughs) Um. Uh, For for listeners, um, (laughs) Sai literally just threw the book. (laughs) Just threw it. (laughs) Yeah, um, I kind of want to look at this. Hold on. Yeah, so you think it's gonna be about like the tension between these two as they butt heads, and he goes to fucking. He eventually decides to leave, but no, they get that shit right out of the way, and then it's just a bunch of weird journal entries. Uh-huh. Uh, it's and then some other. Well, that was just one story, but yeah, some other interesting. Uh... <laughs> the menu at Shea Barbecue Hill was a lifeline of Isabella's travels. Crab farchi, pumpkin soup. Uh, it's a whole list of food. <laughs> it's just like... Three, hold on. A whole paragraph talking about, like, listing off the food on the menu. <laughs> but it wasn't nearly as succulent as the shrimp you can order at Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. Now open on I-10 off He's of- Grace Ann Parsons all over again. I love it. <laughs> Uh, pumpkin soup, Big River shrimp, uh, <laughs> uh, 
wusu, famous coconut wedding cake, gumbo, shrimp etouffee, crab meat omelet, brisket recipe, <laughs> West Indies crab salad, oyster and bacon casserole, sweet potato pecan pie, and strawberry shortcake. Incredible. Yeah. It, it really <laughs> feels like Jimmy Buffett just rambled off a bunch of one-liners, and then a ghostwriter came in and loosely stitched it together <laughs> based on like his scrawled ramblings and like backwards handwriting when he was sick. I love that so much. Well, I mean, do you have anything more to say about Tales from Margaritaville? Because oh, I, I, I don't think so at this moment. I, <laughs> I just wanted to bring that particular introduction to it because yeah. I do want to read more of it and pick mm. out some of my favorite bits. But just All like. Right. Boy, well, howdy. I mean, you brought the Margaritaville lore. Now I gotta find Flavortown lore somehow. Yeah. We, <laughs> the, the thing about Jimmy Buffett, and this is really why why I actually wanted to talk about this on the show, is Jimmy Buffett really is just boomer Guy Fieri, if you think about it. Like, the type of guy that he is, the uh-huh. type of subcultures that he appeals to right yeah yeah the exact way that they talk save for like an accent difference yeah yeah (laughs) uh yeah i'm i'm almost certain that they're just they are two souls unstuck in time who are just living different lives but are the same person (laughs) (laughs) i love that i love that so much they like fire and water aren't they Sky Fieri's got the the flames, and then Jimmy Buffett's all about the islands and the beach and stuff like that. Uh, no, you're thinking of Bob Dylan, Fire and Rain. Ah, uh, yeah. Was that a Bob Dylan song? Uh. I was trying to tell a joke. <laughs> Sorry, James Taylor. <laughs> the other boomer musician. I don't even know enough about boomer musicians. You said Fire and Rain, and the first thought I had was, we'll set fire to the rain, the lyric from that Adele song. So, <laughs> I don't even like Adele either. <laughs> but we're getting off track. I think now would probably be a good time to take a break. Yeah. Feel about uh, that. Do you, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be back with something completely different. <laughs> now for something completely different. So Dev, during the break, I got some, I got some really good news. Okay. Um, as as you know, as you know, uh, Justin Roiland was recently fired from Rick and Morty for for doing all that stuff. Yeah, which is allegedly excellent. allegedly <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> 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 pulls collar comically, <laughs> but uh, I got a I got a text uh, saying they want me to be the new uh, voice. Oh really? Yeah, no. Oh, is um, that so? Yeah, Doug Adult Swim, uh, <laughs> which a lot of people don't know. Uh, they call it Adult Swim to make fun of the guy. Oh uh, wow! Yeah. Okay. He, yeah, he, he texted me and he's like, uh, "Hey, Sai, I know you're super busy. Got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> uh, I know you haven't even been able to to pencil me in on your 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 Gangbusters podcast, but." We're in crisis mode right now, and we need a new perfect Rick and Morty impersonator to to carry our multi-billion dollar franchise. So I think in celebration, we we return to we should return to an old bit. Yeah, we should uh, should return to Rick and Morty ruin Adam. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 
you know, just just to kind of recap, we found this one while we were sort of browsing around and just finding random fan fiction and reading it. I got like too curious and maybe a little enthusiastic, so I read it already, <laughs> or I skimmed it anyway. <laughs> it's kind of incredible. Uh, let me let me read the the Rick and Morty lines because I think that's the way that it that they'll like feed me the lines. Okay, and then I respond to them. It would make sense for me to read all their lines, all yeah. the words. This okay. bit's stupid. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> you see what oh, I mean? I, oh, jeez, Rick. <laughs> oh, it's too bad that uh that C-137 Morty got exploded and now he's replaced with uh, Midwestern Morty. <laughs> this is the new direction we're going, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so this is Rick and Morty Ruin Adam by user Eager Question. Uh, summary, Rick Sanchez has been called upon to venture into the dimension containing one of the fiercest, most terrifying creatures in the, in the multiverse, Adam Conover. Well, actually! <laughs> uh, oh man, I don't know what these numbers You might are. assume that one might need a high IQ to understand Rick and Morty, but actually, it's a very approachable show. <laughs> are you sure you don't want to just read this one? Alright, fine. I'll... I'll... <laughs> Okay. It's all good, Rick! C-133B said, patting C-137 in the back. Here's your portal! Just go on right through! No need to thank me! Wow, Rick! Uh, I didn't think... Uh, C-133B, that's... No need to... Thank me! Time is money! Go on! Rick and Morty jumped through the portal, and as it closed, something dawned on the elderly scientist. Shit! We've been set up! I know I couldn't trust him! Aw, <laughs> oh, jeez, Rick! What are you talking about? This isn't our dimension, Morty! This is dimension 7-R-O-Z-7! What? Morty asked. How do you know? A lab coat? A handsome, if chubby, blonde man in his 30s said with an astonishment as he walked past them, spinning on his heel like a cartoon. You know, most scientific work today does not require lab coats, and of the work that does, most would require that you never wear it outside of the lab itself. You could be contaminating everyone with various genetically modified stains of E. coli as we speak. Rick glared at Adam Conover. <laughs> Come on, Morty, we need to get out of here. If I know this asshole, he's going to try and drag us into one of his stupid explainer videos that teach people <laughs> things a rudimentary Google search could be able to show. He smiled. Actually, Google's algorithm optimizes for things like clicks and satisfaction, not for truth. So if certain people are used to searching only certain things, then their ability to Google material would be severely hampered. Rick's blood pressure rose as he noticed the screen was covered by an animation in 8-bit style of somebody who constantly searches for pizza, trying to find the history of Domino's, the game, and failing. <laughs> That's why you use alternative cookie and historyless search engines like DuckDuckGo. If you don't find it on the first page of Google, moron, Rick said as the animation ended. Come on, Morty. But Rick, how are we going to get out? We're only here because your portal gun broke and the last dimension didn't have enough isotope whatever it was to make a new one. That's right. Great idea, Morty. Come on. He grabbed his grandson's arm and ran off towards what looked like the city center. After a few hundred meters, they slowed down and took a bus. This is perfect, Morty. This dimension has an LHC just like ours. If we can hijack it... That's... very illegal, Adam said, having come from just out of frame and nearly giving Morty a heart attack in the process. <laughs> I, I just want to say, as somebody who, like, actually fucking loves Adam Conover, unironically, uh, this is a very good parody of, like, his whole shtick. It is. 
This is incredibly good Adam Conover parody. Yeah, it's also quite clever, uh, just yeah. the concept of it. This feels like a genuine crossover. Like if, if someone had to write an Adam Ruins Rick and Morty sketch. Yeah, <laughs> it does, actually. Yeah. Then, Wait, yeah. where did you come from? What's going on? Relax, Morty. It's just some more of his TV magic, Rick said making quotation marks with his fingers. <laughs> Presumably, this asshole has latched onto us like a fucking remora. He won't be free until he's finished ruining whatever it is we, he wants to ruin. <laughs> Did you know that remoras may actually clean sharks of parasites? In fact, oh my god, do you ever shut up? Rick grabbed Alan by his suspenders and lifted him up. Adam swallowed, leaning his head away from the screaming old man. This is useless! Anyone who doesn't already knows this is too stupid to know, or doesn't give enough fucks to want to! <laughs> Adam smiled. Actually- Oh, come on! <laughs> I interrupted, <laughs> dropping Adam violently, but the blonde man would not be deterred. This feels like it was written by his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa Hanhold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on! <laughs> The modern idea of intelligence is suspect, and dismissing people as stupid is a century-old tool of class warfare. This is Adam Ruins Everything, and I'll tell you about it after the break. For those listening, uh, Dev wasn't just, like, <laughs> singing the theme to himself. It's written. <laughs> yeah, the theme of the music is written there. <laughs> it's kind of incredible. The year was 1904, and Alfred Binet had found a way to test for mental developmental problems in children. Adam started. <clears throat> Francis Galton tried it first, Rick interrupted, <laughs> but Adam ignored that as a puppet show appeared. <laughs> I'm Alfred Binet, a puppet facsimile of the French researcher said. I want to find out what students need help in school. That's a great idea and a way to help students. Adam smiled. But all of that changed when Henry Goddard, yeah, yeah, Goddard applied a racist test to justify racism, blah, blah, intelligence testing is bullshit, blah, blah, most uh, IQ tests map tightly onto core maps with wealth and access to good childhood nutrition. The Alfred Binet and Henry Goddard puppets looked around in confusion as Rick spoke. <laughs> And even though the supposedly culturally agnostic tests are still heavily reliant on specific variables such that IQ tests only really measure how good you are at taking them. For example, the pattern matching tests are all visually based. Does that make all blind people morons? What about people trained to read right, right to left? The, the screen switched back to them. Adam, I need to jump in here to say how well this person captured each of their voices. Yeah. Like, they captured the way these these characters talk so incredibly well. Yeah. This is better Rick writing than Rick and Morty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, they nailed Adam. Yeah. For, for yeah, real. They, they nailed yeah. him, yeah. The screen switched back to them. Adam, perhaps, eh, for the first time since they had arrived, paused. And looked speechless. Also, intelligence is contingent on circumstance, and best described as a set of skills that anyone can't, in theory, get better at, plus or minus some natural talent. Did I uh, miss anything? Adam shook his head slightly. Rick cleared his throat and glanced outside. The airport! Yes! Come on, Morty! They rushed to the airport and began looking for trips to Switzerland. Aw, <laughs> oh, jeez, Rick. I think that guy felt bad. 
Yeah, well, Mori, no one likes to show off, and nothing he said mattered anyway. <laughs> you just, you didn't have to be such a dick, you know? Yes, I did. You have no idea what it's like, Morty, being the smartest man in the universe. Everyone is like a monkey. Do you know what that's like? <laughs> to feel like you're constantly surrounded by morons? It's exhausting, Morty. Makes me want to blow all this shit up. Actually, Adam said, coming out of a suitcase that coming out of a suitcase that had been left leaning against the wall. Jesus, are are you serious right now? Wealthy and educated people are less likely to engage in antisocial behavior. And while IQ test measurements are largely meaningless in and of themselves, there is a strong negative correlation between their scores and the likelihood of you being imprisoned. You think this is a joke, you little turd? <laughs> Rick asked, pulling a gun out from his lab coat. I am not fucking around! <laughs> a gun. Not ten seconds after he said this, a dozen different tasers from a dozen different airport security officers hit Rick, making him convulse and fall to the floor. Aw, <laughs> oh, jeez. Morty said, lifting his arms in non-aggression against the security officers as they approached the unconscious Rick. Wow, you guys were really on the ball in this one, Adam told the security officers as he followed. Did you know most airport security measures are completely useless? <laughs> and that's why you can't use your intelligence as an excuse to be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on the nose, as usual. It's true, Rick, said a security officer with a British accent, his <laughs> pale face and light blonde hair. Uh. Rick, meet Noah Carl, a researcher <laughs> and doctoral candidate in sociology at Nutfield College, Oxford. He has written about the links between trust, intelligence, and human development across nations. Can I do this voice? Yeah. The evidence shows that more intelligent populations engage in more pro-social behavior across the board, and that more intelligent individuals are generally more trusting. Theory suggests that causality runs from intelligence to trust at the individual level, which raises the possibility that the association between trust and development is explained by intelligence. Are you serious here? Why are you even dressed like security? You know this makes no sense, right? Student stipends can't pay the bills all the time, the soon-to-be Dr. Carl said with a shrug. Alternatively, development may lead to higher intelligence, which in turn gives rise to greater trust. Note that intelligence may cause trust not only because individuals with higher intelligence tend to report greater trust, but also because such individuals tend to be more trustworthy. Either way, wealthier and more educated countries tend to have more cooperation, less criminal activity than poorer, less educated countries. And this even tracks when you educate populations over time. Good God, are you even listening to this guy, Morty? <laughs> Me too, he's uh, so boring. I don't know, Rick. It, I mean, it sounds pretty solid, Rick. He, ha he had a bunch of charts about it. Oh no, you've converted him. Don't listen to his bullshit, Morty. Don't listen to him. It's a hoax to make you think you've learned something when you really haven't. <laughs> Adam sat beside Rick, who had been shackled to the chair in every way imaginable by paranoid and worried security officers. Come on, Rick! You're a scientist! Why aren't you happy that we're giving science to the masses? Because you're not! Rick said, nearly jumping at Adam and biting at him like a rabid dog. <laughs> you're not a fucking... Do you think that any of your so-called viewers know how to do regression analysis now? Huh? Do you con over? Do you know... Do you think they know how isolating variables work? How to correct for co-founders? Basic lab safety? 
Adam looked down, pressing his lips tightly. Rick didn't care. <laughs> You're a fraud, Conover! You're not teaching anybody science! You're teaching them facts! Facts that may be outdated in an hour. Facts that turn out to be wrong. Facts that don't matter if somebody else comes around and goes, Oh, look at me. I know this because of science. And they don't, they won't be able to tell the difference because you didn't actually teach them shit. <laughs> wow, said soon-to-be Dr. Noah Carl. I'll just, I'll go. <laughs> he walked backwards away from the room while Adam glared at the floor. <laughs> Rick continued to glare, struggling against the chair he was stuck to. Is that a good enough reason? Do you understand now? Did you learn something today? What do you need in order to leave? <laughs> Adam asked, his voice quieter. What? I don't know why you're here, or what I'm even ruining, and you said you wanted to go to Switzerland? Wow, Mr. Conover, you'd really, um, really do that for us? Because that would be, I mean, we'd really like that. Don't listen to Morty. It's a trap. It's not a trap. I can use my TV powers. I just... If I help you, will you leave and never come back? <laughs> Rick glared at the blonde man for a moment, then a smile came upon his lips. I hate this place anyway! Adam snapped his fingers and they found themselves at CERN. <laughs> this is perfect, Morty! All we need to do is start it up, and with it I can recharge my broken portal gun! It'll take a couple hours, but we can finally get home! Ah, uh, uh, jeez, Mr. Conover! Thank you for using your TV powers to help <laughs> us out! No problem, Morty. Hopefully your grandpa can go home and stop ruining my episodes. Win-win! <laughs> Though Adam was forcing a smile, Morty can see Rick's rant had done a number on him. Uh, oh, jeez, Mr. Conover, I don't actually know how the LHC works, he said, looking around as Rick paid them no heed and focused on hijacking the facility. It's a particle accelerator, Morty. Nothing really fancy, just a very, very big thing that shoots particles at each other until they collide, and hopefully sometimes they hit each other so fast that they break, letting physicists understand the fundamental particles better. But Mr. Conover, how do they do that? Well, they have these electromagnetic fields. Don't encourage him, Morty! Rick said as he passed by the two of them. Adam sighed. Your grandpa's right, you know. My show is more of just an easily digested version of a Wikipedia article. <laughs> it doesn't teach people science. It teaches them results that real scientists found. I'm not empowering the masses. I'm just perpetuating the cycle of complacency regarding scientific-sounding claims while people with bad intentions use that to trick the public into making bad choices. <laughs> oh, shit. Morty glanced at the two men, one tall and thin, the other shorter and chubbier. One a massive asshole but the other, tactless, but well-intentioned. <laughs> you know, Mr. Conover, I, I think your show really does help. You do? Yeah, I think... I think most people just never look into things anyway, you know? They just listen to whatever was on the news or on TV, and then they repeat or believe things until someone else comes along, and I think, if nothing else, Mr. Conover, I think you're trying to make people more curious about things. I am, Adam said with a smile. And, and I mean, maybe you're not really teaching science, but if more people are more curious about things, maybe they'll sit down and learn the harder parts on their own. Thank you, Morty, Adam said, pulling Morty up to his height and into a hug. Um, I, okay, th that's enough. Right, sorry, Adam said, putting the teenager down. Uh, Grandpa Rick, uh, are you almost done? I'm done, Morty, but this is ancient technology. Like I said, it's going to be a few hours. 
Hey, maybe Mr. Conover can explain something to us while that... Rick's glare spoke volumes. <laughs> I, I, I just meant... It's fine, Morty, Adam said. I've done my part. Out of nowhere, the TV show host <laughs> took out an electrical bicycle and began to pedal. Soon he began to lift into the air and in the hallway. What the fuck? Morty asked, and nearly as soon as he had, Adam crashed onto the roof and collapsed onto the ground unconscious. <laughs> Goes to show you, Morty, Rick said. Never take off indoors unless you really know what you're doing. Should we help him? He'll be fine. Maybe he can er, ruin concussions next week. <laughs> Adam's eyelids twitched as he started to wake up. A pair of gromflamites stood at attention near Adam's bed, while a young human woman wearing a bright, shiny red and black leather suit with an upturned collar and silver shoulder pads. So, Adam, I can call you Adam, right? Adam, I'm hoping you can help me out here. If we ever meet aliens, they're unlikely to be humanoid, he murmured, <laughs> squinting at her. Can I get a better dosage here, she asked. A frightened human nurse nodded, her hands trembling as she searched for the right drug before injecting Adam with something. After a moment, he blinked hard. Ow, my, my head hurts. What's going on? Who are you? All in due time, Adam. Still, as a member of what used to be the Galactic Federation, <laughs> I've been putting a lot of my considerable resources into tracking down and destroying the man who destroyed my society. A man I know was recently in this dimension after we tried to kill him by stranding him in Dimension 35C. And I have reason to believe that you, dear Adam, hold the key to the information I'm missing. Now, I will ask you... Where did Rick Sanchez go? I don't know. We didn't really... Adam's confused expression seemed genuine enough to convince her. I think he just wanted to leave. Damn it, Tammy said. <laughs> <laughs> she stood up and dismissed the recovering blonde man with a wave of her hand. Whatever, let's go. We're wasting time. Wait, do we kill them? One of the Gromphlemite guards asked. She rolled her eyes. Do I look like I care? Whoa. And then they do the, um, did you get any of that bit? From, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From the, um. Did you get any of that? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Harmontown Productions. <laughs> Man, how do you feel about uh, this fic? That was kind of incredible, honestly. It's clever, isn't it? It felt like an adult swim bumper. Yeah. It, this felt like it could have been, like... You, you know, in another universe where Adam ruins everything wasn't cancelled. Yeah. No, this was... <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's good. Like, no, no, it's, it's awesome. The, the best thing about Adam Conover is, like, everyone who's like, I hate that guy, he's annoying. It's like, yeah, that's his shtick. Yeah, that's the whole thing. If you ask him, he knows he's annoying. Yeah, that, he's making fun of himself for being annoying. That's why know? the show is called Adam Ruins Everything. Yeah. It's not called Adam Explains Everything. It's called yeah. Adam Ruins Everything. Because, like, even in the like the TV show, like he goes through arcs where people make fun of him, and he feels like like shit yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah. And that's the point too. I think that's what makes uh, uh, the, the 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 show so well balanced is because like. He is essentially just, like, explaining everything to everyone in an annoying way, and so they kind of dunk on him, or they have other people come in and kind of, you yeah. know, and, and it, it, yeah, it creates a sort of balance of, like, yeah, he's annoying, but, like, also the characters are visibly annoyed by him. And, yeah. Like, 
Anyway, I, I, what am I waffling about? <laughs> I, I feel like if you brought this to Adam Conover's attention, he would read it. Oh, like, well, this seems like the kind of thing that if you can somehow get it in front of his face, I'm gonna like, I'll, it like I'll, I'll, I'll ambush him during a Twitch stream or something like you. Hey, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to tweet it at him right now. <laughs> Cause like, why not? Right. Hey, it's Dev here jumping in after the fact. So funny story about this. I did in fact tweet it at Adam Conover and not only did Adam read the fic, he also replied to me. His response was a quote from the fic that describes him as handsome if chubby, along with a few question marks to indicate what I can only assume is displeasure. I had no idea how to respond, so Sai took the cringe bullet for me and replied with, I want to apologize, I feel indirectly responsible for this coming before your eyes. I am certain that I will never live this down. Anyway, back to the episode. Well, now that we're checking our phones, maybe I should check my phone too. Oh no, I just got another text. From Mr. Adult Swim. <laughs> oh, no. It says, Verizon could not complete your message. As... I think I might have just gotten catfished, actually. <laughs> I guess they changed their mind after they heard how bad my impression was. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we're just about done. Yep. So, so as always, we'd like to thank Aria for the use of her uh, theme music. You can find her on Twitter at 2Glitch. Um, if you're on YouTube, please subscribe, like, hit the bell, leave a comment. It's great for engagement. If you're on another platform, please leave a review, um, share it with your friends. If you like the show, any sort of engagement helps. Um, I'd also like to plug my Patreon. The link is in the description. It's devsolovey, D-E-V-S-O-L-O-V-E-Y. And as always, follow uh, Jimmy Buffett and Adam Conover on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, please follow both of them on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you on the next episode. And remember, don't read where you shit. <laughs>